Hey guys, welcome back to Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism. Today, it's, today is the day. It's the day. It is the day that Jeffrey loses his fucking mind. That's a bit and of a stretch. Starts hyperventilating. Okay, that's a bit of a stretch. I was... Guys, he literally just in capital letters in his notebook with three fucking hearts next to it. <laughs> okay. That I, I don't like I don't like the judgment here because we know we both know that you like Logan just the same amount. Excuse me. No, that's not true, and you keep saying it. Okay. I like Jess and Logan equally. I also like Jess, but I'm not Jess obsessed like you. Okay. Answer me this. Riddle me this, Tiago. <laughs> Do you like the guy who plays Logan the same amount? Oh, he's the best. There we go. <laughs> How do you pronounce his last name? I, I think it's Zukri. Okay, because in my head, every time I see his name, I'm like, Matt Cheshire. I'm like, I don't, <laughs> like, Matt Cheshire Cat. I don't know how to pronounce it. Like, oh my God. I mean, I, I knew that's how Matt he... Matt Cheshire. I knew that's how you pronounce it, because, like, it's, you know... Maybe it's... I don't know what it is. The C is probably silent. I think although, so. I don't know. Anyway. Also, English language, get your shit together. Why are you putting letters and making me silence them? It's probably Russian Anyways. or something, right? But we... I don't know what it is. We should look that up, but... We will. Um, we recently had a... The reason he asked me that is because we recently had a conversation about how fucking good-looking that actor is. Yes, Matt. He aged so fucking well. I mean, he's better looking on The Good Wife than he... But, like, still very good-looking on The Resident. I think he's better looking on The Resident. You you watch The Good Wife. Yeah, right? on yeah. and off. But I, I, I still haven't seen it completely. But um, I'm going to look it up. Anyway, today we are today, discussing episode five of season two. Better yet, AKA no one has the... The first appearance of um, my husband, Jess Mariano. See? <clears throat> I've never called anyone my husband. <laughs> okay, well, I have very little in my life, okay? So shush. As I drop my pen He's on the floor. Ukrainian. Okay, well... Well, his father's Ukrainian. Yes. Mm, captain the men's tennis team. <laughs> so, I have a fictional husband. You have, you have you have you have a celebrity why is husband. Wikipedia telling me that his eye color is a shade of brown? His hair is color is blonde. His hair is color is blonde, is what it says on Wikipedia. You know that Wikipedia I is, know okay. what Wikipedia is, but somebody edit that shit. I just said he's good looking. I've never called him my husband. Okay, well, I don't, <laughs> I don't appreciate this. Oh my God, can you relax? <laughs> yes, so it's... Um, I call everyone my husband, okay? Let me have it. Who else is your husband, out of curiosity? Uh, uh. <laughs> okay, he, okay, I'm... F- t- Tom Daly? Yes, him. Um, to, be f- to be clear... I like the character, not the actor. Usually, you don't like Milo Ventimiglia? I mean, I do, but like, I don't... Do you think he aged well? I think I said in a previous episode that he had, but like, depending... <sighs> I don't know. Depending on his mood. I don't know. Like, on This Is Us, he's okay. Uh, I what think about Year in the Life? He was okay on that. Like, I don't know. With, with the long hair, like, it kind of makes him look a bit older. I don't know. Like I feel like if he had, to I mean, he's almost forty. No? Yeah, no, obviously he was what he was. A, he was was he was he a teenager on Gilmore Girls? Now we gotta look that up too. Yeah. God damn it! <laughs> I mean, like no, I I liked I like obviously liked him when he played Jess. He's Forty two. Yeah. Damn. I obviously liked him when he played Jess. I did like. Yeah, he's aged well. Like I'm, but I'm not. I'm not like a number one fan of the actor. Yeah, but who's aged better? Probably Matt Cheshire. Or <laughs> that's how it is in my head. I'm or sorry. Or Jared Padalecki. No, I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I think out of all of them, it's probably 
Cheshire. Cheshire. Yeah. We, I'm so sorry. <laughs> we really have to fix this name. If you are Ukrainian or know how to pronounce his name, please let us know. Please let us know because we feel bad. Yeah, like sp- spell it phon- spell it phonetically for us somewhere where we can pronounce it. I didn't say Cheshire. He did. <laughs> I said Zuckery or Zukri. I'm not sure. Anyway. So rank them. Out of whose age the who's, who's aged the best? Um, I probably Cheshire. Yeah, Cheshire. <laughs> yeah, I'm very sorry. This is just like butchering your name over and over again. So sorry. Which we is, love you. Yeah, it's sad because we love you. You're very, you're very attractive. Um, <laughs> probably him. Then I think like Milo and Jared are, t- are tied. No, you know who aged fucking terribly? Luke. Yeah, but I mean, but he. He looks like a blowfish. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, not like not everyone has not everyone is blessed with get, with the gift of aging well. I think right? he's still super good looking, but he just did not age well. I thought you were gonna Does say that make sense? yeah. I thought you were gonna say Alexis Bledel didn't age well. No, I think she aged well. Yeah, but maybe it's because mm, you know what? When I watch her in the Year in the Life, I think she aged well. When I watch her in Handmaid's Tale, I'm very depressed. Yeah, but also she's very oppressed in the Handmaid's Tale. So. And like she kind of has like she's she's always kind of had a childlike face. Yeah. So I went I mean, probably because she was a child star, but like. I find when when we like when we grow up with with with, with still can't speak when we grow, when we grow up with all the jet energy it is I'm very overwhelmed like when we grow up with a version of like that of that person in our in our conscious and like it's hard to associate her with something else yeah like kind of kind of like when people say Macaulay Culkin aged horribly which she has I mean but I think it was the drugs also the drugs yeah. But at the same time, we also only knew him in the child star image, right? Exactly. So like, and, and Alexis Bledel doesn't even really fit that mold. But yeah. still, all Should of we that. Start? Yeah, all of that to say. Because you're so excited. All that to say, Logan is probably aged the best. Oh, yes, Logan. But you actually no, no, no. I didn't. I didn't finish answering the question of who else are my husbands. Oh yeah, it's true. That was the original question. We stray so L- much. Like I, I said. For me, just the character is that is my husband, not not necessarily Milo Ventimiglia, Ventimiglia which is different. Ventimiglia, the G is silenciod. Like I said, you know more <laughs> about the about the, the, the semantics of the Gilmore Girls. Italian, I think, or it is Italian. The name. I have no idea. Whatever. Okay, go on. Maybe um, you should learn about your husband before. I said it's the character, not the. Okay, not... so just Mariano is your husband. Yes. Okay. Also Italian. Just saying. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> Um, I also, I also really, really love the guy from How to Get Away with Murder, who, not, who are you thinking of? Why do you mean that face? Sorry, go. Who? Um, his name's Jack, his, his name? name's Jack Falhey. Let me look it up. No. Um, him, Tom Daly, as you said. Jack what? Fal, Falhey? Yes. Him, Tom, uh, Tom Daly, as we said. Those are probably, those are probably the top three. Alright. She's not impressed. I mean, I don't see Um... It. Yeah, those. I mean, I also like Adam. Le- I mean, I also like Adam Levine, but Adam Levine hasn't really aged well either. And what they do, but and like that's the thing with Adam Levine, it's like there's a lot of male privilege in his face. <laughs> I don't know. Just whenever I see him in an ad, I'm like, there's so much makeup on your face right now. Like you're getting away with so much just because you're a man. Anyway, that's uh, a, that's a story for another day. So four husbands. Oh, I'm sorry. How many do you have? None. <laughs> That's you. Pro- that's a you problem. I've never once referred to anyone as my husband. Okay, like I said, I have very little, so just let me. Oh have- my god, I, <sighs> such a flashback to when I had. Okay, I have a friend whose name is also Eleni. Mm-hmm. Yes, I remember this because we're Greek and you know, <laughs> we're all fucking named four things. Um, I remember once it was it was way back. I think we were like fifteen or sixteen, 
and it's just because you said husbands, it reminded me of this. We were in my house watching um, hockey. It was playoff time. And we were like down by one goal, I think, the Habs, Montreal Canadiens. And my mom was there. <laughs> and my friend Annie has never had any shame. And my mom's also very cool. Like, she <laughs> my mom doesn't give a fuck. Like, she answers the phone saying bitch. Like, she's like, <laughs> what up, bitch? She answers the phone. So my mom, my mom really doesn't care. So uh, I was getting worried because I think it was, like, really late in the game. And I was getting worried. And, <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, you guys, I don't know if we lose this game. So my friend Annie turns to me and goes, don't worry. He told me in bed last night that we were going to win. He's my husband. My mom was like what's happening <laughs> my mom was just like what is what is going on i'm like oh eleni has like eight different husbands don't worry about it she's like i'm very confused my mom kept saying this to me sounds like i'm friends with with the wrong eleni oh <laughs> i kid so rude <laughs> but does, does the other lady love gilmore girls no so then i'm then i'm wrong i'm, right. I'm friends with the right eleni moving on oh sorry <laughs> moving on let's begin with episode five let's begin We'll skip. We are. I guess we, we already discussed my first point of his name and bit block letters with the yeah. with the hearts. Yeah, we did okay. that. It's fine. We get it. Uh, um, the episode begins with Rory's first day of school. Yeah, she's super excited for her first day of school. Yeah, and um, I wrote in my notes that Rory needing to be early on the first day of school because she might not know the fastest way around this year was totally painfully me. And uh, I and wrote, me. I wrote, I'm triggered. Where are my anxious overachievers at? Yeah, me right here. Because like. Uh, it took me a long time to stop to like stop being so uptight about, you know, getting there early and yeah. like being so perfect and like. Yeah. You know that I started a new job a month ago, and I still I start work at eight thirty. I still show up at seven forty five. <laughs> because the one day I was late because we had a major snowstorm and my bus got into an accident. Did I tell you about that? Part? No, you didn't. Whatever. The bus moved weird and we got stuck in a ditch. Whatever. I was late. I was like 15 minutes late. And since then, I've been showing up at 7.45 and just waiting in my office. <laughs> I mean, like, doing stuff, but I mean, like, I'm terrified that I'm going to be late again. Yeah, understandable. Yeah. I, yeah, it's like, especially during times where I was, like, really stressed with school, it was, like, times, you know, yeah. 50, where I would, like, I had to be on time. I couldn't be, like, had to get on, like, it was very OCD. I had to, like, get on, like, I had to get on the metro, like, at, the, at a certain point, or else, like, it was bad luck to get on the metro at another point. Like, it, it, it was very... I know, I know, I feel you. It was very OCD. I've been there, yeah. It was, like, I, yeah, there was, there was, there was, a, there was a point where I believed that, like, anxious rituals would control the outcomes of things. Never. Which they don't. Never. Which is why I'm telling you that arriving early... In advance is not gonna is not going to prevent you from being late in the future. Oh no, never! But it just makes me feel better in yeah. the moment. Yeah. You know what was weird about that scene? I always assumed it was morning, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's her first day of school. But then when the Cub Scouts or Boy Scouts or wherever the fuck they are <laughs> walk in, they're like, "I want a burger with fries, extra crispy." And I'm like, "What time is it?" I never thought I of that. I was so disoriented. I was like, "What's happening right now? Why aren't you in school?" That's true. Like I, I was like, that. "Okay, so maybe she had a half day." Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I was like, "What time?" Anyways, Luke gets that fateful phone call. Yes, that triggers a bunch of events. Where he says, "Do you have? A, does anyone here have a sister or something?" Yeah. No. Like, he goes, "Do you have a sister?" He tells Lorelai, and Lorelai's like, "No." Like, and then the, have, the little kid goes, "I do. You have my sympathies." Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah. So Liz calls him. We've never met Liz at this point. No. And this is what I wrote in my notes. I say I often wonder about the Liz that he's talking to on the phone versus the Liz that we know. True. Because he makes her out to be like. A basket case. He calls yes. her a basket case. He calls her crazy. He calls her all these things. He says, like, when her his dad was sick, she just took off and left after high school. Yeah. 
So I always try and think about that Liz versus the quirky Liz that we know later on. I feel like they're kind of one and the same. Yes. Yeah, I get it. But he really makes her seem fucking terrible yeah. so in I, the second season. Yeah, so I um, I think that like Luke was always really hard on Liz. Yeah, even for sure. Like now, and then when even even when we meet her, when she shows up later, so I, I think like yes, she was a total flake, but like Luke seems totally insensitive to the fact that she lost her mom and was like yeah. left, left alone. And even when they're talking with men who clearly didn't, didn't understand exactly. her, it's because like Luke can't communicate. No, and Lorelai was like, oh, that must have been hard on her losing exactly. her mom so young. She's like, it was hard on everybody, but we managed. And like I was, you know, I worked with my dad, and like okay, so you had all you clearly you had all this mass masculine bravado, and you're dealing with your grief. What about the one girl of the family? Yeah. Like, but I mean, at the same time, they're both kids. You can't expect any of them to deal with grief. You know what I mean? No, but I feel like I. But I. But I, I know what you're saying. I get the vibe that like Luke clearly, you know, mimicked his father and like oh, we're just gonna repress our feelings and work through it and work at the hardware store. Oh, I get it because I think it's it's clear later on that Luke doesn't deal with emotions. Exactly. Either, you know so like, I mean? where does Liz fit in that equation? So I absolutely understand, but he made her seem fucking terrible yeah so like, like so she's probably a flake because she too didn't know how to deal with her grief exactly. and then having a, and you know being and like probably to him being a flake is is having emotions i get it so luke gets this call from liz right and then we find out it's because he's arriving he is arriving <laughs> jesus is arriving no, no i'm no, kidding <laughs> So, um, Lorelai only finds out, by the way, because Luke is holding a bunch of shit. Yeah, he's coming home with, with a bunch of groceries. With frosted flakes. Frosted flakes. Yeah, that's what tips her off. Because <laughs> um, Luke doesn't buy frosted flakes or any, or any of this food. Nothing. He buys nothing. Um, yeah, and so he's setting up the inflatable bed for Jess. Which is, he says it's temporary, but... Not really. <laughs> I don't think it's temporary. <laughs> no, and like... It's... In my mind, in Luke's, in my mind, in Luke's mind... It's like, it's a perfectly good bed. Yeah. You don't think to get sheets. No, and he's, <laughs> he's like, you have sheets, right? Of course I have sheets. And he's like, sheets, sheets. And, he's, and they have to go out and get sheets. Yeah. Um, no, to, like, to me, it's, it's, it's like, it's supposed to be blaring, blaringly obvious to the audience that, like, Luke is not prepared for yeah, this. Yeah, of course. He's and, not like, prepared. and, like, thinks, thinks that, oh, well, it's family and we're family and we deal with it. And, like. Yeah, but you know what? I think. His heart's in the right place. That's exactly it. I think. I'm in awe of, like, how how generous he is. But at the same time... Like, when was the last time, realistically, Luke saw Jess? You know yeah, what I, I know. mean? Yeah, I know. They never explore that, which I find is, like, nice, yeah, it's nice to... Weird. nice. No, I thought... I think it's nice to leave that up to the imagination. Oh, yeah? I yeah. think it's weird. Okay. But anyways, <laughs> I mean, I just think it's that's, great that's that... That's this podcast in a nutshell. In a nutshell. I like that. Well, I think it's weird. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, but I think... Uh, I just think it says a lot about Luke, the fact that he's just willing to, yeah, all right, you want to send him here? He's in trouble. All right. I mean, yeah. He knows he's not prepared, but he's like, yeah, it's family. Yeah. Do you think it's... I mean, I don't think he's that nonchalant as, as you just were, but... I mean, in the beginning, he's pretty nonchalant. He's like, I'm going to go buy Frosted Freaks and my problems are going to be over. I said Frosted Freaks. <laughs> well, but... I mean, he's, he's, kind, he's kind of, okay, he's not He's not mad at Jess coming, you're right. He's fine. He's fine with Jess coming, but at the same time, he, no, I, think he's, I think his anger uh, stems from Liz. Like he's, he's, mad yeah. at, he's mad at Liz that Liz can't deal with it. Do you think at the end, you know, when he's talking to Lorelai and he's like, I'm in over my head, do you think he's kind of mad at himself too? For like being like, yep, it's family. Let's just take him in. You like, he didn't ask any questions, kind of thing. Yeah, know? I think no, I, and I think he was taking out his anger, obviously, um, 
on Lorelai at well, the yeah. at the dinner that they have later where Suki yeah. cooks and we can get into yeah, that. We'll yeah, we'll get into that. Um I'd like to answer a question. Okay. That was remember remember back when we were um, discussing the replies to our tweet about why do people ship Rory and Dean, mm-hmm. and a lot of people were getting a little a little heated and asking, "But why do you ship Rory and Jess?" Yeah, or like, or like the, I think the question was, uh, "Why like what's so great about Jess?" And people always want to know like what was so great about Jess because yeah. Rory and Jess I think are widely loved in the um, Gilmore Girls fandom. Mm-hmm. I think each, like each of each of the ships have their merits, but like. I think Rory and Jess have a bunch of like ardent love surrounding them. Yeah, so I think it's safe to say that this is the ship that the most people ship. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I think this is the most popular ship yeah. in the fandom. I mean, I think we can say that. I'm not sure. If, I think if, it's safe to say. Safe to say? Okay. Yeah. And what's their ship name again? <laughs> you you tell Rory me and why Jess? and okay. I'm going to look so, at it. People always want to know what's so great about Jess, and it, I tell think... Tell him, Jeffrey, tell him. And I think, I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn and be like, Jess is amazing, even though that's what Eleni is thinking right now. Um, lit. <laughs> lit. Literary? Lit. lit okay, it's wonderful. Lit. Um, it's better than narco. <laughs> very much. And better than Java Junkie, in my opinion. Ugh, you're the worst. <laughs> So people always want to know what's so great about Jess, and I think it was the fact that he wasn't perfect. I think that's I think that's where a lot of his appeal resonates from. Or it's like until he arrived, Stars Hall just felt so cozy and perfect, where nothing bad ever happens. And like even anything that does, even anything that, that even anything bad that does happen, is like not is like by our by our realistic standards, is not so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, not not to devalue their problems, but like you know, in season one, I found that any drama or problems that did happen was not the end of the world, even though it felt like it. So there was like that whole melodrama factor that we as an audience know is fictional, but like at the same time, you can't you can't really you can't help but think that like this, this is a fantasy. So I think that when Jess like Jess's arrival was proof that like reality exists outside of the fantasy that is Stella's yeah. Hollow. Cause like you know he has a like he was having a rough time like Liz is not like Liz is a flake his mom's a flake like to me that to me that does not fit the mold of perfect little cute Stars Hollow at all mm-hmm. even though Stars Hollow isn't perfect but for our eyes it is you know so like I find a lot of the problems that exist for the main characters is in backstory yeah yeah we don't like we obviously we're gonna see the drama ensue from. Lorelai's relationship with her mother, Lorelai and Rory butting heads. Like, we see that, but a lot of that is rooted in backstory. Mm-hmm. Whereas when Jess arrives, it's like... Back- Here's the trouble up in the Yeah, old. and it's backstory too, obviously, because we don't see his trouble before he arrives, but like... Yeah, but it's more tangible trouble when he comes to Stars Yeah, and like you said, it's out in the open. Yeah. I also said that he's bookish and beautiful and had more in common with Rory and was less possessive of him than Dean, of her than Dean. Yeah. That's just my opinion. We won't, we don't yeah, have- so I definitely <laughs> think... Like, look, they're not dating right now, but we know what's going there. Um, it takes a long time, It though. takes a long time, but I definitely think once they started dating, way less possessive of her. Way yeah. more encouraging of the fact that she, you know, had a life outside of him. Yeah, exactly. Like, that. Yeah. Like that's... I mean, I think a lot of people take issue with with calling Dean possessive because they I don't... don't. Be, <laughs> I don't either because, like, I think I, I said this before with... Like, I think Dean's appeal resonates with, like, just a lot of simpletons. Mm-hmm. When it's just, like, it's relies on basic gender roles for men and women. Yeah. Where And I think just, it's, Rory and Jess just felt a bit more realistic for the 21st century, shall I we say. So. so, like, I don't also know. Also, just the fact that, like, they can talk about something 
You know, all of Dean and Rory's conversations yeah. are so superficial. It's true because they're like, very surface level. Yeah, there's and I think I th- and I think their appeal was the fact that they were surface level for most of season one, where it was like, oh, this is cute, we love them, they're yeah, pretty. Yeah, okay, but I mean, that's great if you're it's you're 16 and it's your first boyfriend and you just like him because it's beautiful. But I mean, yeah, like, I know. you know. But like you said in the last episode, we're chipping away at like what Rory and Dean, what makes Rory and Dean incompatible. Well, yeah, I mean, and like Lo- and like kind of Lorelai even pokes fact pokes fact. Poke pokes fact. fun at the fact. It's poke fact. <laughs> poke fact, mm-hmm. whatever that means. Episode, it's our own copy. Episode home. title, poke fact. Oh boy. <laughs> no, Lorelai even pokes fun at the fact in episode three, I think, where yeah, where she and Max are discussing like, yes. where do I fit into the into the parenting? She's like, when Max asks like, oh, well, how long are they going to stay out there? And she's she makes some comment. Yeah, I think she says like, something like, uh, like when they're done staring into each other's eyes and, or something. Yeah, and saying, no, you're beautiful. No, yeah. you're beautiful. Like yeah. she pokes fun at the fact. That, like, that's kind of the entire purpose of their relationship. Honestly, I think the reason why Lorelai was so Team Dean and didn't like any other of Rory's boyfriends can was... We say, can we say that? Does she she kind of warms up to Logan in the end, doesn't she? I mean, yeah, but, but she's it's, not it, thrilled it's, with him. No, but it's Stormy Sales. But I think the reason why she was always pushing Dean, like, never had a problem with Dean... Because he was so perfect and clean. No, and but really. I think it's also because she knew that, like, this relationship is not... Realistic. Look, when Jess comes along and she sees that like Rory can actually have a conversation with him and they're getting to deep stuff and then even Logan like she can he can keep up with her intellectually like she's like this is a much deeper and more serious relationship than what that was yeah she wants you know? so that scares her more she because... likes Dean because Dean keeps Rory innocent exactly yes I think we pinpointed yeah exactly what it is I also have to point out that in between my long notes about Jess, Jess I'm also writing. About Paris being a bitch. Oh my god, Paris is the worst. I wrote, what did I write? Why is Paris still so fucking bitter? I wrote the same thing. Oh. I said, I said, oh right, Paris is mad at Rory. Why is that again? Still don't know. Oh my god, and Rory even tells her like, we have to spend the next two years together, like, and you're still gonna yeah. be mad at me about fucking Tristan. Is that, is that what it is? That's that's yeah. the word comes from. It's like she yes. said she's going to the concert. Yeah, because remember the second episode they did building together or yeah. rebuilding together, whatever the fuck that charity was. Yeah. And uh, she's like, you're still mad at me because of Tristan, and now they're still fucking mad. At, well, she's still mad at her. Notice how Tristan is noticeably absent. Yeah, he's until, not here until a certain point when they write yeah. him off. Yeah, he's not here right now. At this point, I think he's auditioning for One Tree Hill. <laughs> yes, true. Yeah. I think they later, they later explain his absence as he was he was suspended, from, came back. Like remember, remember, remember there yeah, is, he was suspended later in season two when he shows up again. It's like, oh, Tristan is back, and like yeah, he was he was yeah. They do make a vague reference to him in this episode, like Madeline does, that he's dating somebody, but like. Nothing. Right, and then they want to make a gossip column, and yeah, and Paris. Oh is my like, god, Paris's response to Madeline wanting to make a gossip column. I, I don't even. It's perfection. Yeah, personally, I think I like. To, I like. I I think this all the time. Whenever Paris has like a really, like witty, like witty sarcastic retort, which she does throughout the whole show, mm-hmm. I think that like Amy Sherman Palladino struck gold with that character and with that 100%. actress because like if you've ever if yeah you, nobody will be able to pull that off like yeah that. and like and and if I'm I'm sure you have like if you ever, if you've ever seen Amy Sherman Palladino in an interview, she's like super quirky and like yes. weird and like you. Whenever I hear listen to her talk, like I can I can see where the Gilmore Girls quirky wittiness came from. Mm-hmm. So I feel like whenever I listen to Paris, like I I can see the light of Amy Sherman Palladino shining through Paris all yeah. the time. No, it was such a great response, huh? 
Let me think. Like, it was just, oh, my God. And then they, like, look at, you look at Madeline's face after, and she knows she just got, like, fucking eviscerated. <laughs> and she just yeah. doesn't know what to do. Uh, no, that was, that was great. I mean. Yeah. I, I must say, though, after I wrote that note, in between my long paragraph about Jess, I then wrote at the bottom of the page, Paris is such a bitch. She really is. I had a, I had a more colorful word, word that I will not using this podcast. Okay, well, she is a bitch because she t- after Rory tells her, like, you know, let's try and get along because it's going to be a long two years if we don't get along, Paris tells her the wrong time for the newspaper meeting. Like, it's it's so... It's it's, it's, it's very childish. It's very, like, it's it's very, like, school schoolgirl yeah. cattiness. Yeah, of course. Um, and then, to top it all off, once Rory writes the piece on the repaving of the fucking parking lot, um, and she does such a good job, apparently. Honestly, I'm like, this... I, I like... Rory's just sticking it to her is like yeah makes me want to clap it's great makes me want to applaud just like it's great because then she walks into the other meeting she's like oh you're here she's like oh yeah because there was so much confusion about the last time that I wanted to make sure I was here on time like not even just saying like no you fucked me last time it was just like kill him with kindness yeah she's like and it was great she's like I she's like I see your nastiness and I'm and I'm rising above exactly she reminds me of you Oh. I feel like I feel like you would do that. Like you'd oh, say, yeah? no matter how like when she says later, no matter how many shitty assignments you throw at me, I'm not gonna quit. No, that's a compliment. Thank <laughs> you. That's great. I think it is. And then Paris is also a bitch because what story does she give her later? After okay, so later after she gives her the the pavement, the paving yeah, of the, the paving of the fucking parking lot. Yeah, which Rory knocked out of the park. Apparently, I don't know what you could have written that was so amazing about a paving. Parking I think lot. the the editor said it was like how. She, oh, it was like a bittersweet piece about how eventually we all become obsolete. I want to know how you, I want to know how she connected that. Me too. <laughs> I, wanna, I really want to read that piece. Okay, anyways. Um. Then she th- like I also kind of admire Paris's like. Gumption. Paris's evilness. Yeah, like how she like how she went from like oh telling her the wrong time to giving her a shitty is great because I'm like on the one hand I admire what Rory's doing with like kill him with kindness kind of thing. On the other hand, I'm like Paris, you're my inspiration for being an evil cunt. Exactly. <laughs> that was the word I was I was refraining to use, but now I can say I was gonna I was I wanted to write in my notes Paris Excuse is my language. Paris but you know what a, I mean? Like Paris is such a cunt because she is. No, but like, yeah. So I was just, I was like, yes, Paris, you give me life sometimes. You're a baby, but you give me yeah, life. Yeah, because we're like, only Paris at this point in the show could be so evil that she would notice the awkwardness between yes. Max and Rory yeah. and then say, oh, well, since, since you did such a great job, yeah. here's the biggest piece. And here's all, the biggest she, piece interviewing your, was going to be your stepdad, but now not, oh, are they not involved anymore? Oh, Is there a like, reason you don't want to do this piece? Like, so clever. I was like, oh, Paris, I see? hate you, but I love you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Is that a great, Is this, this is a great, this episode is a great example of the Contra- the bubble of contradictions yeah, that is Paris sure. Geller. Well, I mean, that is everyone, really. Yeah, but yeah, but we love um, her. Yeah, so should we talk about Max and Rory? Yes, this is, that's only like this is, this is like the only closure we kind of get. Yeah. So last episode we talked about how we really would have liked to see um, maybe Lorelai the the way Lorelai broke it to Max that she wasn't gonna be showing up at the wedding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that the wedding was off, whatever it is, and. This is the only time we get to see the aftermath of that. Yeah, because we, we don't get, as we said last time, we don't get any closure between Lorelai and Max yeah. ever. It's just like it's done and exactly fades to black. Um, But yeah, Rory really wasn't, Rory, Lorelai really wasn't <laughs> thinking that through. No, because then later when um she finds out that Rory has to interview Max mm-hmm. and she's like, oh, such a, such a nice girl, that Paris. Yeah. Um, 
she then she she, says she's like reading the piece that Rory has has been writing. She's like, oh, this is some good writing, Missy. And then, and then you can see the wheels turning in Lorelai. She's like realizing, oh, did I make a mistake? Well, just, she even says that I sure know how to dump him. Yeah, but like. But he wasn't right for you, Lorelai. No, and like the relationship wasn't. You weren't ready. No. It's okay. Don't worry. And then she's like, she's not even ready for the rest of the show. So like. <laughs> God. Anyways, um, Rory's interviewing Max. Telling this heartfelt story about how he wanted to be a clown. Ah, uh, yes. And she's like, well, mom took me to the circus once and this, this, and this. And she stops the tape recorder and she says... I just bought you to know. No, well, she doesn't say it like that. Can you relax? Through tears. <laughs> no. Crying. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. Uh, she says, I just want you to know I really wanted you to be my stepdad. Yeah. And he says, I just want you to know I really wanted to be your stepdad. Oh, cute. And then they move on with the interview, and that's the only closure we get. But I feel like that... I don't even think we see Max again until the third season. Right. When he comes back and they run, she runs into him in the pharmacy. Yeah. I feel like... I don't know. I think for the purposes of this season and these episodes, like the, I think it was nice... In that they acknowledge that Rory also had a also had a separate relationship. Yeah, and that and this that, decision affected her too. And that Lorelai kind of met him through Rory, and that like their relationship wouldn't have existed without Rory in mm-hmm. this school. So like, yeah. I don't know. It feels kind of, I don't know. It it, it feels like it works to me. Anyways, it was kind of sad. It was bittersweet. Sure. Because, no, because I think, like, he really didn't want to be your stepdad, you know? He was the one that was pushing Lorelai. He's like, yo, I like your kid. I think she's a great kid. And, like, he wanted to get the... When, when Lorelai was saying, we have to, we have my kid to think about, he's like, it's fine. I like... Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you could tell he would have been a great stepdad, by and the way, you, also. And you can tell that he was clearly more emotionally mature than she was. Yeah, well, obviously. That's, that's, that's a given. That's a given. That is a given. So I have another point about Jess. Do you think you, you think that was the only thing I wrote? No, of course not. <laughs> so... Am um, I surprised? Never. Um, I also thought that Jess kind of... And I wrote this point as Luke... As during the scene where Luke and Jess were having having it out, when he says, you know, you brought me to this town, and, and you brought me to this school where, they, where there's such a pledge of allegiance in six different languages. Two of which I've never heard of. <laughs> yeah, and they're, and they're having it out. And this is after Lorelai has kind of got into into Luke's head. And said, yeah, but like, we have to talk about that too. But yeah, go ahead. So like... And then he pushes them into the lake. That's the best. I, I kind of want to know how many takes it took, them, it took them to get that shot. I really hope it was just one. Yeah, because like, that was sake. shallow water, so I hope he didn't... Himself. For his sake, I hope it was just yeah. one. So I think that like Jess was also representative of outsiders, kind of. And until he arrived in Stars Hollow, Gilmore Girls felt like it was catering only to insiders and was very inclusive to like a certain mold of white people, I guess. Where it's like yeah. and Michelle you know, and Michelle, <laughs> where it's like I don't, like it's 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 kind of hard hard to articulate, but it's like Gilmore Girls represents this like point in white people culture where it's like you know we love coffee and we love pop culture and like it was very niche very niche niche is the word i'm looking for yeah and then jess comes in and he's from new york and like yeah so like i thought you know rory and dean were very simple rory and lane were very simple Mm -hmm. like their friend like rory and lane's friendship rory and lane's back by the way we forgot to mention that last episode we we forgot her again we forgot her the last time poor lane um, like the whole, like the whole first season by contrast just felt simple. Yeah. And then like when Jess arrives, it's like, yeah, that's what I mean. Shit. It's getting a little bit more complex. It, it's, now, it you get, know? Yeah. So I said like Jess represented something more complex 
see you know me oh, we're so in sync and Jeffrey. that so like he, he, he represented something more complex and that more depth for everything was on the horizon so yeah. I feel like after like this point in the show like everything started to get more serious and like mm-hmm. m- like yeah the problems are getting a little bit more they're moving a little bit more away from like high school they're getting a little bit more well I shouldn't say that yet because season 3 is coming around and there was whole high school there was yeah. so many high school problems in season True. 3 but I mean you know what I mean it's like a little bit more there's a little bit more substance to it yes so in answer to the question why do I love Jess so much okay well I have my own personal opinions but she's his husband yes that but I also think that like from a from, from like a, an audience standpoint like the arrival of his character yeah, represents a lot for the show yeah I just, agree just as a whole I agree and he also like he also provides like stor- I wrote stormy skies oh, look at for that. Luke and Lorelai since like Luke thinks he knows everything and yeah. knows that he's a teenager and is prepared for this and he's stubborn and yeah. typical white man stubborn and doesn't think he he needs Lorelai's help but then like the audience the audience just knows like you can see him as soon as he starts dropping everything with the with the frosted flakes like yeah he's Luke, in Luke, way is, over his head. Luke is un- underprepared I mean Jess comes in he shows him the apartment. Like, like, that's the kitchen, that's the bathroom, that's your bed, na na na. And then he's like, cool. And then he just leaves. Yeah. Or he says, like, oh, I'm going to close up around 10 tonight. Okay, see you at 10. Like, yeah, he's like, see you at 10. He goes, but you don't have keys. I don't need them. And, like, he leaves. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? It's true. So then when Lorelai comes in and goes, where is he? He's out. And then he's, like, downplaying and He's like, oh, he's a kid. He's just exploring. No, no, no. It's stars hollow. You can't get lost. When really, <laughs> takes like, three right turns and you're back in the center yeah, of town. Yeah, but he's right. But <laughs> I mean, like... He's trying to downplay the fact that he's in over his head. I also love the scene where Jess, after Jess has come into the apartment and then leaves, he opens the diner door and, like, looks out and starts hollow. And, like, this there's... This is hell. Whatever shock that is, I don't know. But, like... It's called like, This is hell. It's called This is hell. <laughs> but, like, that, that's also, like, a, a touch of... There's literally a child chasing a butterfly. <laughs> but, like, see? Like, that's yeah. the moment where, like, an outsider's coming into this niche world. Yeah. And it's, like showing child chasing butterflies like for someone for, like for a like si- kids pulling wagons and shit and like on the playground Ugh, oh no you know like, so like before jess arrived it was like that was the only like there was no there was no reality outside of that circle so it's like when that character arrives it's like yeah you know, oh, okay th- this is th- there's a touch of reality in here you know honestly though like the people of stars hollow did not react well to jess no doesn't taylor accuse him well Taylor accuses him. Of Taylor accuses him of taking like spare. Cha- well, it was like a donation box for the bridge that they're always trying to rebuild. This fucking bridge. Oh lord. Um, and then he took Pierpon. <laughs> Pierpon is Babette's no. <laughs> okay, so after I watched this episode, do you ever like watch something and then like just a certain scene or like a certain dialogue just like gets stuck in your head like a song? Mm-hmm. So like, is I don't. Is it the monologue that Je- that Dean had? Dean, oh, fuck me. Is it the monologue? <laughs> fuck Dean. <laughs> no, I said fuck me. Is it the monologue that Luke like? I don't know, like, the tirade that is going on, like, where he's, like, the patch, the pill, the this, the that. That, I love that scene. I love that scene. I also, no, no, the, I don't know why, but the scene that got stuck in my head was where Babette comes to the kitchen and she's, like... Have you like, seen Pierpont? And she's, like, Pierpont, gorgeous. Like, to Luke, like... like have you seen Pierpont? Like, who, like... Like, you think he walked off your lawn, <laughs> like, Babette? What kind of name is Pierpont? It's like, a gnome's name. Do you know, did you know... That if you don't name a gnome within 10 minutes of getting him, it's bad luck. Where'd I have you, a gnome obsession, by the way. Where did you hear that? I have three gnomes at home. And did it say that on the bottom? Like on the, no, ta- on the, on the tag? No. It's just a... One of them is named Pierpont after Babette. It's just folklore? The other one is named Pillwinkle. And the third one is named Hickory. My nanny had gnomes in her garden. I have gnomes. They're just <laughs> in my room. They're not in my garden, though. 
Okay, so uh, we've uncovered that... Well, it's on my garden. My mom doesn't let me put them. Well, we've uncovered that Eleni has... Um, gnomes. <laughs> has a secret love for gnomes. They're amazing. <laughs> One of them is playing hockey. Okay. Uh, wonderful. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, she judged me for writing Jess with hearts in my notebook. I'm judging her for her secret gnome obsession. They're so cute. I'm sure they are. And I painted them myself. <clears throat> oh, did you buy... Like, So did you buy, like... Like the ceramics place. And then you paint them yourself. Okay, I like that. That's, that's artistic. I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. Except for Hickory. He was bought. So are they... Are, so I have, a, I have husbands. Do you have children? Are these your children? No. I mean, Bosley's my child. My dog, but... Still. Yeah. Whatever. Moving on. <laughs> um, Lorelai and Jess's first conversation at that dinner... I also love that scene. Love that scene, but super terrible. I love... Like, I also think that... Because here's the thing. I hate both of them in that moment. So why do you hate both of them? Okay, because Lorelai's sticking her nose where it doesn't belong, trying to be, like, all cool mom. I've been there. I've done the chip on your shoulder bit. And Jess is being fucking rude in somebody else's house. But at the same time, I also understand both of them. Okay. <laughs> because Jess just got brought into fucking Stars Hollow. This is hell. Where there's butterfly chasing <laughs> going on. And Lorelai's trying to, like, help Luke out by being, like, trying to be, like, hey, man, to him. And, like, I don't know. It's just very convoluted in my mind. Okay. Um, I understand what you mean. It was also really disrespectful of him to say, what, are you sleeping with him? Yeah, I understand. Definitely, Jess was, like, the, you know, little self-righteous. And that's where it all went downhill. Yeah, it was just, like, like, was just, like, the self-righteous, disrespectful kid. But I also think that, I get what you mean by, like, Lorelai's meddling. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, it's. Like, I think I would have meddled in that situation, too, because, like, they're friends. Like, Luke and Lorelai are close. Like, he's kind of, not to say he's asked for, her, asked for her help, but, like, it's kind of hard to, A, invite someone into your house and then just, like, let let let, let everybody self-destruct in front of you. Like, no, I don't no, you know what I mean. I like, get it. Like, I kind of, I, I, I think I would have intervened like Lorelai did, too, and said, like, listen, I know what you're going through, but, like, don't screw this up. Like, Luke's a great guy. And then, obviously, obviously, Jess is disrespectful by saying, like, what, are you sleeping with him or something? You must be getting some, he said. Yeah, but like... I don't know. I, don't know. I, 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 like I that. was annoyed with both of them in that moment, but also understood both point of view. I also think, points of view. I also think this is the first time that we kind of... We as an audience are, are like cluing into, oh wait, Lorelai does have some perspective on this that mm-hmm. Luke doesn't, whereas like... Yeah. Well, number one, we know she has perspective because she's been raising a kid for these years, right? That That's plus, number one. That plus number two, she was the sullen teenager who wanted to leave home. Yeah. And but, couldn't stand his mother, her mother. Exactly, you know I mean? like that. Like, I think when it comes to problematic teens, like obviously Lorelai's perspective is relevant because, like, look, look like look at her backstory. Like, yeah. it's no, not, I get it. Not to say that like she, you know she had a rough life, but like it was still, it was like her. It was still hard for her. So no, I get it. It's just whatever. I was just conflicting emotions. Yeah, like I no, I get it, but like it's at the same time. I like I understand why Laura like And then like the whole conversation afterwards, like after she busts him with the beer and like is explaining to Luke what happened, she's like, That kid is way more screwed up than you think he is. Yeah. Like, what is your ju- like you're so judgmental. And Luke's right. Do you ever think that maybe you just got lucky with Rory? Like I mean uh-oh. Yeah, I understand what you mean. Like that's like it's difficult because I've never like I've never really watched this episode with it with the intent to analyze it. So it's no, like I know I don't really I didn't really pick up on 
until you just said it that like Lorelai refers to Jess as screwed up. No, because the thing is, like, I feel like this episode's the reason Rory, uh, fuck, the reason Lorelai doesn't like Jess for the rest of his life is because of this one interaction. You know what I mean? I don't think that's true. I mean, listen, I think they got off on the wrong foot and she never lets it go. Of course, um, she does other things. But yeah. I mean, I feel like she they started off on the wrong foot and she just never got over it. I think she tried. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, I think that is always in the back of her mind. And like you're you're judging you're you're judging this kid based on one conversation that you had the day that he got to Stars Hollow and he's fucking pissed because he he had to leave New York City for Stars Hollow. Come on. Yeah. Come on. I know. I And you you of all people should know how hard it is to be somewhere you don't want to be. Yeah. True. You know but what I she, mean? She did try to relate to him and then he kind of I get it. No, she tried to relate to him later in the season. She tried her best and she did her best for Luke. I get it. But I just feel like no matter what she would have done, Rory even tells her, why don't you like him? Like, you know, when they start getting closer later on. Yeah, I think. Mm, mm. I don't know. Mm. I think maybe if we <laughs> if we're analyzing, as long as we're analyzing. As long as we're analyzing for the purposes of our podcast. Yes, our podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think maybe can we say that like Lorelai never liked Jess because she sees a lot of herself in Jess yes. and sees that like there are people trying to help him and people trying to get him out of this place that he's in. And yeah. when she was in that place, nobody helped her. And so yeah, she's mad that I like think... he's thrown he's so she's mad that she that he's throwing the opportunity away. Okay. Counter that with I think that Jess is angry. Oh ob- for sure. He's obviously. Angry. He's obviously angry. And Lorelai for Jess represents what Emily for Lorelai represented, if I can say that. Like, Lorelai was in a sad, pl- sad place. She was in a bad place, and, like, all these people were trying to help her, technically. But in the wrong ways. In the wrong ways. I think Jess feels the same way about Lorelai. Here's this lady that I don't know. You bring me to your house, like, whatever. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Whatever. I don't know. Their but relationship it, gets complicated. And it works on, on many different levels. So. Absolutely. Very good writing. Yes, 100%. <laughs> Um, so Amy Sherman Palladino, come on our podcast. She's not going to do that. <laughs> but please do. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about Jess and Rory's first interaction. Their first interaction in the bedroom? In the bedroom. In you the made bedroom. it sound so salacious. <laughs> in the bedroom. Right at, I regretted the words right after they came out of my mouth. <sighs> in the bedroom. Um, they come over for dinner and Rory's in her room. Yeah. First of all, I want to eat some of that food Suki's cooking. Yeah. I was so hungry when I watched that episode. Anytime, <laughs> anytime that like you see uh, Suki in the kitchen, like there's just so much food around her, and it's like I love it. I want Suki to cook for me. Like, where is this? Where's where is this? She's food making coming pot from? roast, mashed potatoes, three different kinds of salads, garlic bread. She's made grilled cheese. And don't you don't you love how much she overthinks it? She's like, what if he doesn't eat meat? It's like, what if he doesn't do dairy? <laughs> it's like oh Suki, God, shut just, up. Shut up. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um. Yeah, so Jess sees... Okay, it, to me it was really interesting how, like, Jess... Jess doesn't actually see Rory first, like, real-life Rory. Mm-hmm. He picks up her picture on the mantle. Do you remember that? That's true. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. That's so, a good point. That was... Mm-hmm. And then he sees her in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> it's the bedroom. And he's like, my, aren't we hooked on phonics? Yeah. And he picks up Powell. Yes. Which he's read apparently 40 times. 
Um, Only later we learn that. Because yeah. she picks up the book and she says, oh, you can borrow that if you want. And he's like, no thanks. Yeah. Um, Do you read much? Not much. And then he says, what is much? You're okay. You're jumping ahead. That's okay, that's- but I'm just tying it all together. The thing is, though, he was kind of a jerk where he's like, do these windows open? Let's go. Like, you're in my house. I just met you. What do you think? I'm going to go with you? Where are we going? I think that's like the... I think... Okay, if we're talking like politeness and manners, like... No, no. It's not even just politeness and manners. Like, what makes you think I'm going to go with you? Go where? Yeah, I know. I think that's... You didn't even introduce yourself. (laughs) Okay, true. All valid. I think that just speaks to his bad boy nature where it's like, this is the only form of social interaction that he knows. Where it's like, hey, let's let's go bail. Let's go drop out of school. Let's go be burnout. (laughs) Drop out of school. Yeah. Foreshadow. Shh. Spoiler. Well, he didn't drop out. <laughs> well, he didn't graduate either. But we're spo- we're spoiling it for the for Spoilies. the. <laughs> I mean, if you haven't if you haven't watched Gilmore Girls, I don't know why you're like you're in season two of this podcast. Like, well, maybe they're watching it with us. Oh, if they are, I'm so honored. Not kidding. I guess, sir. <laughs> um, anything else to to unpack about? Yeah, this? I wrote at the end, like you know, when they're having their conversation at the end. Where they see each other in the street. Yeah. And he realizes, uh, she realizes that he stole her book. Borrowed. It's a felony. (laughs) Um, Roy looks so excited to be interacting with somebody that reads. See? And like, okay, Dean fans get so upset when you, whenever people say it like. When I say that he can't read. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that was you. That was me. It wasn't Jeffrey, it was me. (laughs) See, I think people come from me knowing that they know we like Jess. But, like, you're the one who makes all the nasty comments. You were the one... You called them simpletons! <laughs> that, that's not a bad word. But you were actually, you were actually the author of that tweet that asked everyone for their opinions, and look where we are now. We were attacked on the uh, internet. Bite me. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. anyways, I was just like, oh my god, she's... Because he, he wrote notes in the margins of the book. And she's, like, reading his notes. And she goes, oh, you've read this before. And he's like, well, about 40 times. And I think she's, like, so excited that somebody's on her level. Exactly. Yeah. So there are Dean fans who get upset when Jess fans say that Rory and Jess had more in common vis-a-vis books. And <laughs> That's her new favorite word. I introduced her to that word, by the way. You did it. It's just the first time that somebody, like, used it in a conversation with me. Um, like... I don't know. I think Rory and Jess did have more in common. Like, if, mm-hmm. I feel like, in my opinion, that's a fact. Um, I don't think there's any disputing that. You can't. You, there's no. There's no evidence to back up. Because even at, like on, even on an, on an analytical level, like we're doing right now, yeah. it's kind of hard to deny that at this point in the show that Rory and Dean had the same amount of connection that Rory and Jess did. Yeah. And like, I feel like that's, and I feel like what you said about she's so excited to have someone on her level with books and yeah. reading. Here's the thing. I don't think like they had instant chemistry and it was love at first sight. No, but like she is immediately like attracted to him as a friend because she should. Yeah, like, she's immediately attracted to him as a person, just as a person, just for the fact that like they can talk about the same things. It has nothing to do with like she's attracted to him sexually, whatever it is, like as a boyfriend, girlfriend thing, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think she's just excited that somebody's like. Somebody reads as much as she does. Somebody can talk to her about things. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Cause... Just like when my mom introduced me to you and we started talking about books because I don't think I've ever met anybody else who likes books as much as you. 
Um, I think my I think it was well you you so my mom and Eleni worked together yeah. and she, Eleni had been sending books home for me through my mom yeah for a long time and then I remember the first time I brought Jeffrey's mom a book to give to Jeffrey she looked at the book and it was in such pristine condition she's like fuck you never opened this <laughs> yeah we're we're very similar in terms of yeah. keeping our books in like tip top shape yeah um. I think I don't think like we were we were friends in text before we were friends in person. Yeah, we started communicating via social media. I think yeah. before anything else. And so I think I think the first time I texted you was when my mom gave me your number just to talk to you about the girl on the train trailer. Yes, in yes. 2016. It's true. It's true. Anyway. Yeah. Um, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Our friendship. Whatever. Nobody's listening to that. <laughs> um, anything else you want to say about this episode? Uh, yes, we. I wanted to ask you about the episode title. Which is Nick and Nora slash Sid and Nancy. Yeah. So I've heard. So like I've heard like references to, to Sid and Nancy and a bunch of other things, but like never really knew like what it was. Like I kind of had a vague idea that it was like Sid was like a rock and roll mm. guy, but I, like I like it was a vague reference that I knew in my head. Yeah. So I wanted to know like what Nick and Nora and Sid and Nancy was a reference to. Okay. And so. Actually, in the, if you have the original DVD releases from mm-hmm. the show, they have like those little pamphlets that. Contain... Yeah, they explain the Gilmoreisms. Yeah, basically. so I, I didn't I didn't look in that one, but I so I just because I was you know it was easier for me to Google, so I googled it and I found uh, a blog called Gilmore Girls References Blog, Ooh. where it like where <laughs> where each where they they break they break down all the pop culture references in each episode, and so for this one there's also a podcast like that. That's a very good idea for a podcast. I salute you. Yeah. Um, we follow them on Twitter. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick and Nora is a reference to the dashing martini sipping husband and wife characters from the Thin Man film series, mm-hmm. which is from the 1930s, which I've which I've never I never heard of until I looked it up. Mm-hmm. Had you heard of that before? I had, but nothing like super in depth. I think I had heard of it. Looking back, I think I'd heard of it. Because I looked at the Gilmoreisms a little bit. Yeah, so that's like so like in the like the episode title comes from a point in the in the episode where after where after um, Luke and Lorelai have had it out about Jess at the dinner where he gets all upset that she's meddling and putting his uh, she's putting her she's putting her what's it called she's putting her two cents in where it doesn't belong she's shoving her nose into people's business. Yeah, so he so he gets all upset until so the next day. She doesn't want to go into Luke's to get breakfast, or and it's Danish. Danish day. day. She, she doesn't want to get. She doesn't want to go in because they had a fight, and she's yeah. and so she says to Roy, "This was not Nick and Nora. This was Sid and Nancy." Yeah. So, if you don't know about Sid and Nancy, so Sid and Nancy, per the blog, tragic. Per the blog, are the not so dashing, heroin imbibing bass player in the Sex Pistols, and is equally the sodded girlfriend. Yeah. So Nancy was found stabbed. Yeah. And Sid was charged with her murder. I don't know if anything came of that though. No. So what happened was, um, so she was so she was found. Maybe I should watch the movie. So she, so she was murdered, and he was yeah. charged with her murder. Yeah. But then but he, he died. But then he died before the case went to trial. So it was never. Solved. Yeah, he died. I think like not long after. No, it was like a couple, three months later. Or yeah, something. it was like less than a year later. Yeah. Um, I don't like I don't I don't know if the the murder was solved after that. I don't think so. I think it was always assumed that he did it like in a drug induced something. And she was only twenty years old. Yeah, I didn't know that. 
Yeah. And so she, and I I was reading a bit she of was like super, I mean he was super young as well. And I was reading a bit of her Wikipedia page and like she I think was diagnosed with schizophrenia as a child and like oh. never sought proper treatment. So I think like the drug induced frenzy was kind of the result of, of a mental health issue, which is yeah. which is sad. I mean he was twenty. After math, shush. He was twenty two when he died. Okay, then she was twenty. So like, <laughs> that's uh, yeah, pretty young. But I th- and I think like. I think that Sid and Nancy has become like a pop culture reference to like drug, sex, and rock and roll in the 70s. Yeah. Which if we kind of like, you know, examine a bit closer, that's a bit messed up that we, that we romanticize. Honestly, it's a little bit fucked up, yeah. It's, it's, it's messed up that we, that we romanticize Sid and Nancy when it sounds like they had a particularly violent relationship. A super tumultuous relationship. Considering if we assume that he murdered her. Yeah. And that they were just doing heroin with each other all the time. And she was twenty years old. I'm kind of, like I'm still I'm still kind of flabbergasted by that. Like that's like so young to like. I'm not sure how they met either. I think it was like she was a groupie or something. Probably and... that I don't know, but probably a groupie. That would have been like a very seventies thing. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Did you know? Fun fact: that John Lydon, who is also a member of the Sex Pistols, right, appeared on an episode of Judge Judy. What is it with you and Judge Judy? I just I want to know. I fucking love Judge Judy. <laughs> Judge Judy is your favorite. Where does that come from? What do you mean? Like, where, like have you always loved Judge Judy? I mean, I remember Judy? watching it when I was younger, um, like staying home from school, you know, it was the people's court and then Judge Judy. Mm-hmm. And I just love the fact that she's like very no nonsense <laughs> and she tells people to their face like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> Not a fucking, but she always goes, you're an idiot. Yeah. Like, like I don't know. Or she'll say, like, you gotta get a life. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta get a real job. Or she tells them, uh, stop making babies. You get a job. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think it's just really... Um, it's She's... refreshing to see a woman, like, in her element, who's been doing this for, like, over 40 years. Like, Judge Judy is my inspiration. Like, she works two days a week and makes $45 million a year. Yeah. She's very, like, she's... What's the word? She's very, like... Um... And you know what? Like, she's fair. That's the law. That's the law. Like, go away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she's very blunt. Like, yeah, she's... she's very blunt. She's very fair. She's like if Paris was a judge. With, like, a little more sass. With I a find little that, bit like, more sass. I, I find that Paris is, like, sassy in an indirect way. I find, that, yeah. I find that Judge Judy is, like... Like, Paris is much more sarcastic as well. And, like, there's much more nuance to what she says. Whereas Judge Judy is just like, you're an idiot. Yeah. Are you a moron? <laughs> like... You see, you and Judge Judy are like very similar. I find it's no, but like, I mean, it's Judge, not that we're similar. Is that like okay with you? Sometimes I'll say stuff like that. She's your spirit animal. But I mean, I would love to be able to say to somebody. Of course, I'm not a judge, so I can't. But I would. There, it's just that she she. It's what I aspire to be, but I cannot be obviously yeah. because I don't have a forty two million dollar salary and whatever it is, you know. But I admire the fact that. What she says goes, of course, because she's a judge. But I mean, like, it's just, it's, it's, it's refreshing to see a kick-ass woman just, like, mop the floor with these idiots who think that they're smarter than her. Yeah. And I love the fact that she literally tells them, if you live to be 120, you will never be half as smart as me. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, I want that confidence. And I th- yeah. It's also a confidence thing, I think. From what I, like, I haven't watched a lot of it. and I have 132 <laughs> episodes of DVR. So I, I haven't watched a lot of Judge Judy, but what I'm getting from what you're saying is that, like, she's a very empowering figure, and I think maybe what kind of hinders, like, the mainstream recognizing her as being an empowering figure is that, like, 
um, what, what is it called? Like courtroom TV or whatever, yeah. like whatever the, whatever the, the, the name of the genre is like, it's, it's associated with being like trashy daytime TV. So I feel like it's not really taken that seriously. So, well, I take it seriously. Yeah. So I think like maybe like, I think anybody who watches Judge Judy, like obviously knows that she's a badass. I think maybe just like the mainstream doesn't really recognize her as the badass that she is because her genre is like considered just trashy. Like, but you know what? For a really long time, <clears throat> she was even beating Oprah at number one. I knew that, yeah. Television. Which so like, I think that speaks to the to the the resonance of trash. Then no, <laughs> I don't think it's trash. <laughs> no. but okay. okay, blanket term is trash. Blanket term. So, um. So in conclusion, the last thing we're going to no hold on. Okay. In conclusion, um. Elaine loves Joe Judy. Obviously, but oh, I forgot what I wanted to say. Never mind. Go ahead. Uh, so the last thing we're going to unpack on this episode. I don't want to do this, by the way, and he's making me do this. We're doing it. Is that a few days ago, um, Eleni texted me saying she had a dream, which is nothing new because... I always have dreams. Yeah. Uh, I've said it before on this podcast that when I have when I dream, I dream hard and I remember my dreams. Like, which, I remember them vividly. Which, which is weird, because a lot of times we don't remember our dreams. Yeah, but I still remember dreams that I had, like, months ago. Have you discussed this in therapy? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I have, actually. Anyway, so she texted me... It's cheaper to discuss it on yeah. the podcast. <laughs> she texted me a few days ago saying she had a dream, and then I said... Um, I don't think I can take any more of your dreams. And she was like, why are we friends? You're so mean to me. It was so like, mean. Like, oh, yeah. I'll let you... So rude and so mean. Eleni- That's from Real Housewives. Yeah. Atlanta. Eleni's being bullied. Anyway. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she then shared what the dream was, which was obviously Gilmore Girls related. Yeah. And so she said, I had a dream that I was Rory. And Logan... Already we're starting at hot. <laughs> she had a dream that she was Rory and Logan invited me to his wedding and it was on a boat and I was just devastated yeah can i okay read the dream and then i'll say something yeah, go. like i can't but i wrote devastated in capital letters by the way yes devastated in big block because letters. i have to explain something after like i can't describe it to you but i just remember feeling so heartbroken in this dream it was crazy i was so devastated that that dream me wanted to jump off the boat it's true. but then it was okay because he came to talk to me at the bar okay so you know when you have a dream and like <laughs> the emotions are super heavy in the dream and you wake up feeling a little bit like discombobulated because you're still kind of feeling those emotions. Okay. That's what ended up happening to me. I woke up <laughs> and I'm like, why do I feel like this? Yeah. I'm like, this is not a big deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's more to the dream though. I just gave you like the Reader's Digest version. Okay. So let's elaborate. So what it was is that Rory, aka me, <laughs> was like we were on the boat for the wedding and it was like a joint wedding. There was like okay. two or three weddings happening at the same time. And the bride came down from, like, a grand staircase. Okay. Which was fucking weird. And my brother was there also. Okay. So we're, we're blending fiction. Yeah. Reality. And a lot of my family members were there, too. So it was really weird. Anyways. So, yeah. I was just, like, devastated that he was marrying this girl. And then he married her. And I was like, oh, my God. My only option <laughs> is to jump off this boat. So, like... But then he came to the bar and he was like, yeah, I know it wasn't supposed to be this way. It was supposed to be you and me. And I felt better. 
So but then I woke up and I was like, what the fuck is this dream? Let me just let me just clarify. So you're judging me for calling just my husband. I can't but you control have, my subconscious. But clearly your subconscious is telling you that you're obsessed with Logan and want to marry I'm not him. A, like honestly I woke up from that dream and I was like, what the fuck was that dream? I don't care. Clearly you do care though. I, I mean think, apparently I think there's somewhere in the deep dark webs of my brain something yeah, somebody cares i think there's a lot more to unpack here that that can only be done by a licensed professional oh god so. you're so rude just and just so everyone knows eleni is getting a dream dictionary for christmas do not buy me that <laughs> it's fine i have one from 1996 next podcast episode we will open it up and start analyzing her dreams honestly it's gotten to the point sometimes where i'm like i don't even want to go to bed tonight i can't take these dreams anymore that's alarming. The other day I had a dream that um, I, I just started this new job here in Montreal. And I had a dream that they were super short-staffed in New Brunswick. So I was commuting. <laughs> like I had agreed, to, mm-hmm. I had accepted the position in yeah. New Brunswick. But then I was like, but how am I going to do this? And then like the so- dream me was like, solution, you're going to commute every day seven and a half hours. That's not, that's not, that's not unordinary because like I find... I find that yeah, that's, but I woke up feeling really shitty. I find that that's a kind of stress dream where it's yeah, like, sure. where it's like you go through a period where you're so stressed all the time, and then even after that, even after like that stress has been released, it's like your subconscious is still not over it. I don't know. It was just really fucked up. Because I think I, I think a while ago I mentioned um, that I was working at a bakery, mm-hmm. and I no longer work at that bakery. But, oh, si- <laughs> but since leave, but since leaving, um, I was. And even even when and even when I did work there, I was having like stress dreams about waking up to like an angry text from the manager, yeah. and it was like just I've been there. it was getting a bit unhealthy. Just just how much I was like get, be how much I was getting anxious over a text that didn't exist. <sighs> Basically, I was like just anxious. A text that you had made up. In yeah, like an ang- like anxious to be like anxious over the possibility of getting an angry text. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but even after I left and like, you know, I left and it was done and there was nothing else to worry about because I was, the, I was out of the environment. I was still kind of having similar stress dreams. One where, um, I came, like I was, I guess I was still working there in this dream where yeah. it was It's ju- funny how our dreams just <laughs> like, you're doing this now. It was just, it was just me and the manager who I was scared of and <laughs> she was like, like talking to me like she was my mom and it was just like really weird and then i woke up and i was like okay thank god i don't work there anymore like have you ever had those moments in your dream where you're like don't worry this is not real you're gonna wake up soon like in the dream yeah like yeah probably i have oh my god no i'm not talking about actually lucid dreaming like you know when you're lucid dreaming like you could do whatever you want oh like meaning like we have like you have like a self-aware dream where it's like you in your dream it's like you know you know this isn't real yeah yeah but, like, I'm talking about one time I think I did something really bad. Like, I think I strangled somebody. And I was like, it's okay. There are no consequences. You're going to wake up soon. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to end there because clearly Eleni needs therapy. And uh, we're going to look into that because uh, only a licensed professional can, uh, you know, diagnose that. So, um, so rude. Where can they follow us? They can follow us on Twitter at Gilmore Podcasts. And they can follow us on Instagram at Gilmore Girls Podcast. And they can pledge to our fundraiser at yes. pledgeit.org, a penny a page. Tell, give, them, give them another recap of what a penny a page yeah, is. Yeah, you better fucking pledge because so far we had zero pledgers. And the prize is amazing. No one's going to pledge if you're, if you're getting aggressive.
<laughs> Fine. But go ahead. Tell, give, give, give another brief description of what it is. Okay, so basically over a 36-hour period from December 20th to 22nd, Jeffrey and I are going to be attempting to read as many pages of books as possible. Yes. We ask that you pledge a penny a page. Mm-hmm. So that we can raise money for a literacy charity right. that gives books and resources to underprivileged communities and children here in Canada. And uh, if you want, you can find more information about our fundraiser on our Instagram page and, and our Twitter page. Yes, and the link to donate and is in the is in our Instagram profile. Yes, and the prize is up there as well. Yes, it's a great prize. <laughs> She's so proud of her prize. I'm so proud of it. If you guys haven't seen it, it's a Gilmore Girls tote with all the characters on it. And included in the tote will be a Stars Hollow candle, uh, Luke and Lorelai magnetic bookmarks, Dragonfly in room key. Right. I really want that. A poster of Luke's <laughs> diner. A t-shirt that says I'd rather be watching Gilmore Girls. Yeah. And I think that's it. Right? E- either way, it's still a, an outstanding prize that you want to win. You definitely want to win. And just a reminder, there are no location restrictions. Yes, we will ship anywhere. We will ship anywhere. And uh, if you don't want to donate the penny a page, you could just donate a flat um, donation. Yes. And uh, you might win this outstanding prize. Exactly. So go pledge or go donate or go do whatever the fudge (laughs) bananas it is called. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye.